0: Matthew ten five through sixteen. These twelve, Jesus sent out, introducing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter into no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pay, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> God's Word.
1: There's tremendous power in being chosen for something. I thought about this a lot. This is different from winning something. Like if you are the winner of the race or something happens, that's different. You earned it. But I remember back at times in my life when maybe I'd try out for a part in a play or singing. I did some theater in, in high school and college. And when they'd say, I got the part... Just there was this all right. They chose me. When Nancy said yes, when I said, Would you marry me? You know, she chose me. I asked her, or actually she kinda asked me. <laughs> and I said yes. She she chose me. I I wasn't adopted, but the power, if if you would were, were old enough to remember, we have some um People who've been adopted, and if you're old enough to remember this, I want you. The power of that must be amazing. This morning, we're looking at, in the Gospel of Matthew, we're looking at what Jesus is trying to tell us, what he's trying to. Uh, Matthew is trying to explain what Jesus was about. And so we began with this idea of Jesus, the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. Then he teaches us what the kingdom of God is like. Then he lives it out and demonstrates in chapters 8 and 9, this is what the kingdom looks like. It, it, it looks like healing. It looks like being freed from bondage, from demonic things, and other bondages. And it looks like living your life in an entirely different way. And then he says, now I'm going to replicate what's going on and I choose you. We end in ended chapter 9 with these words. I'll go back to the very end of chapter 9. It says he, he looked up and he, uh, beginning of verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Um, We talked about what that verse meant last week. You can always find the sermons on the website at livinghopeepc.org or on iTunes or on Facebook Live. You can always go back if you, if you want to hear things from this, these messages. Um, and so he's, he now asks these followers to pray that God is going to send laborers out. And then he says, and by the way, you're the beginning of the answer to the prayer. And in verse 10, he begins to name. He says, he called to himself, this is chapter 10, verse 1, 12 disciples and he gives them authority over unclean spirits. Hmm. it's kind of what Jesus did. And to heal every disease. He gives them authority. That's kind of what Jesus did. And then he gives the names of these 12 apostles. These first. And then he, he names them out. Now. I don't know about you, but when I've been to job things, um, back when I was, especially when I was working in secular lines of work, we'd go for job interviews and people would always try to sell, you know, their, their company if they wanted you. Again, if they choose you and say, you got the job, that's a great thing. But they're trying to say, well, we offer this and this and this, right? Here's our package. Here's your salary. Here's the benefits, right? This is why they want you. This is why you should come work for us. Boy, Jesus gives like the absolute worst package, salary package, right? Look look at what he says. Okay, now I've chosen you and I've commissioned you. And he says, and here's here's a job description. Here's the recruiting pitch. You're going to go to the Jews who are the most resistant people ever to the message. You're going to preach that the kingdom of God is near. By the way, you're going to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and drive out demons. Now, if I said to you, Dave... Just go ahead in your neighborhood. I'm giving you the, that now. I want you to go to all your neighbors, and I want you to uh, heal, heal them if they're sick. I want you to raise them if they're dead. Raise them up. And I want you to, you know, just sort of do that. Okay? Sounds great. great. <laughs> Would you feel equipped at that level to do so? I mean, that's outrageous. No humans in their own str- I mean, it's like saying, G- go out and do something you're completely ill-equipped to do. Just getting good. Now he gives you the compensation. Here's the compensation, verse 8. Freely, freely you've received, freely, freely give. That is code for you get paid nothing. (laughs) Don't take any resources with you. Be completely dependent upon the kindness of strangers. It works well. You will be betrayed, by the way, by your friends and family. You'll be despised and persecuted. When this happens, don't worry. Just flee and find somewhere else to start over again. So in other words, what I'm really telling you is live, teach, and live like I do. Don't wait to take this position. They're going fast. (laughs) Space is limited. No health care, but the retirement benefits are out of this world. (laughs) All right. So um, you look at this and say, well, why? Because they did it. They did it. And hundreds and now thousands and millions of people have taken up the challenge. And sometimes in our society where we're very consumer-driven, I think the reason Christianity people look at and say, what is this is because I wonder if we still take up this challenge. Or if we're trying to be sold, if we're really looking at this as, hey, well, what, you know, man, the Buddhists, man, they give me, I don't have to do anything for them. i just one with everything. Well, if I go with this religion, what what does it offer me? Jesus said, I offer you one thing. Life. Because he says, you're dead. Jesus didn't come to make bad people better. He comes to make dead people alive. He says, you're spiritually dead. You have a veil over your eyes. You can't see. And I'm going to give you life. And it's going to cost you nothing and me everything. And now you get to go and love people, really love people, by being me to them. Because remember, he looks out and he sees the crowds and he sees helpless people, sheep without a shepherd, scattered, and he has compassion. And he knows he, as a human being, fully God, fully man, cannot do everything and cannot touch everyone. But he's commissioning 12 to begin the process of touching people. So first takeaway from this is, when I look at this is, have I made such an idol out of the comfort and security that our society promotes as the greatest good? My Christianity gets so merged into that that I'm unwilling to make my life harder for the good of another. Because see, Jesus made his life, it was incredibly difficult for Jesus. He left everything for you. And it's not a guilt trip, it's a gratitude trip. Because when you know, when you know in your heart what Jesus Christ left, when he left his father's throne, when he left glory and come for you, this is a little thing. Because at the end of this chapter, we're getting the biggest payoff in the history of the world. When you take up the challenge to do hard things and to do what Jesus commanded us to do, we're going to have the biggest payoff ever. And we'll see it in a minute. By the way, just brought to me, do hard things. March, write it down, parents and youth. I, I would like to go away for a weekend on March 22nd through 24th with the youth of this church, the middle schoolers and high schoolers. And I want to talk about not just this chapter, but I want to talk about us doing hard things. So just make a mental note of that. You'll get some information about that. But I feel compelled to just go and spend a weekend and talk about if we can do, as young people, hard things. And me as an old person, hard things, different hard things. All right. Let me read you a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived during the time of Nazi Germany. He was a Protestant pastor in Germany and he stood up against the Nazi regime and it ended up costing him his life. He wrote several books, one of which The Cost of Discipleship. And this is a quote from that book. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give our lives to death. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him, or it may be a death like Luther's who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it is the same death every time, death in Jesus Christ, the death of the old man at his call. Jesus is calling his disciples and he calls us to die because here's the truth. What this world says satisfies you is like sugary, sweet stuff, it satisfies for a minute and you wake up the next day and say, is that all there is? And with Jesus, it's exactly the opposite. I'm, Nancy and I are on a 15-day cleanse right now. And I mean to tell you, it's it's like going to the cross. No, not really. It's nothing like that. But it, it's hard. I, I, I love all my sugar and gluten and all that stuff. And going off of that, what it's made me remember is that as I've gotten rid of all the things that have dulled my senses, now when we have something, it tastes different. And I fear that the world dulls our senses and we don't really want the Spirit or Jesus when we taste the things of this world, but then we always want more of what this world has to offer and it just gets... We think we want it and it ends up just making us fat and slovenly spiritually. And Jesus, I think, is saying, look, to follow me, you must live with my attitude, which is that what really matters is being connected to your Father. So let me give you four things as we close about what this mission looks like. He says to the disciples in verse 5, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, but enter and enter no town of the Samaritans. So don't go to non-Jews or half-Jews, the Samaritans who were sort of mixed. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This can seem confusing. Isn't this isn't Christianity for everybody? I thought this wasn't for Jewish people. So okay. So here's what we have. We have a plan of redemption. The arc of the plan of redemption begins with Abraham. We are part of a larger story. Okay. The part of this story was that Jesus, the plan of redemption we now know, was to raise up a people, the Jewish people, and demonstrate what a personal relationship, what a God and a personal relationship with the people and God look like. Their rejection of that ends up being, for those of us who were not raised in the Jewish faith, ends up being for God's glory, because we get what they say grafted in. We are now able to come, and it's a story for everyone. So we are now part of that ark of redemption. So we don't take this and say, okay, well, I guess I can't go to any Gentiles. I better find my Jewish friends and share with them. Because we know that since Jesus' death and resurrection... Paul comes and, and, and gets this revelation that the gospel is for all. And we're part of that story is that we get to share the gospel with everyone. And so the first point is this. You are part. This mission God gives us is rooted in a bigger story. It's not just about you and Jesus. It's about a story from the beginning to the end. And we are here in 2019 as part of this incredible story who is in your story? Who has God put in your path? Family, friends, acquaintances, people for whom you can pray and love. This is part of what we talked about last week. Do we have the ability to, to love those who are sick? Because he said last week we, in, in chapter 9, I didn't come for people who are well. I didn't, Jesus didn't come for people who are righteous. By the way, who's righteous? Nobody. So the joke sort of is in this. He says, you think you're righteous. Jesus comes for people who think they have a need. So don't look for people who are self-satisfied. Do you know someone who's needy and who says, I have a need? Then you meet that need. Be there for them to the extent you can. And by the way, you're bringing Jesus Christ into the mix by word and by action. So you get to be part of this larger story no, but second point is this. This mission, I said before, raise the dead, heal the sick. Dave, have you done that yet? What have you been waiting for? Have, you've had, no. Uh, we are completely dependent on God's spirit to fulfill this mission. You can't, all right, first of all, let me just take the burden off. You can't save anybody. You can't convert anybody. You can't argue anybody into the kingdom. You can't tell them. You can love them. You can share with them. But it's God's spirit that works in their hearts. But how will they hear without a preacher? And by the way, I'm not the preacher. Well, I am, but I'm just one of a couple hundred preachers in this room. It's one who speaks God's word. How will they hear? Don't believe the lie, okay? Well, I shouldn't say it's a lie. It's just a, it's a, it's an ill, I think, I don't, I don't like the phrase of, you know, spread the gospel and if possible, if you, if you have to use words, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's scriptural. Share the gospel in word and in deed. Don't do like, well, I'm not going to say anything. I can just sort of live good life. How will they know unless you tell them? If you have a cure for a disease and you know the cure, what are you going to walk around the person who's sick next to you and say, see, I'm well, I'm, but I'm not going to tell you what I did. You know, I, I, I know what you could do, but I don't want to embarrass you by you know telling you how to get well. If people are really dying and sick, we are doing them a disservice by just living our lives and not also saying, hey, by the way, the thing that's made me alive and the reason that I have what I have is because of Jesus Christ. We've got to be able to get over our our fear of saying it in a winsome way. We don't have to be screechy and argumentative. We can just share. If people are uninterested, it says, just go on your way. But we're completely dependent on God's power. This is why He says, "Acquire no gold or silver. Don't take money. Don't take copper. Don't." It's not saying you can. Don't have to. You know, travel for the journey. Like it's. It's. It's a metaphor for what? Look at the end. It says, um, "No, you receive without pay. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers." I'm in verse three. You receive without paying. Give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. This whole thing is saying that we go not dependent on our own resources. You bring a lot of money and tunic and you rent your place and you do all this and you don't need anybody else's. Go depending on my spirit to lead you. I also think there's a part of this that says the mission is is urgent. Don't even take two tunics. Don't I don't know. I, this may be wrong, and so don't. If 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 I've not looked at this properly, but as I was looking at this, I wondered. I'll I'll say it that way. I wondered, is this saying, you know, if you pack for a journey, it takes time to pack, taking all these tunics, packing up, and all that stuff. Is there an urgency to the journey that just get what you have on and go? I offer that to you, maybe. I say that because sometimes I've taken so long preparing to do what God's asked me to do that I actually haven't done what God's asked me to do. Finally, I want to look go down something that Bud didn't read in this, but it's a little later on in the chapter. In verse 17, Beware of men... For they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. Interesting. They'll beat you in church. <laughs> and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Why are you being dragged before? Why are you being bitten beaten? What? To bear witness. When they deliver you over. Here's a, here's a phrase, easier said than done. Don't be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. I would take this not only in times when it's difficult, but also any time when you're in situations where you don't know what to say. I had a phone call this week from someone who was going to... Uh, uh, situation with a um, just a horribly tragic situation we talked about so what do i say give me give me the you know you're the pastor you go to these situations you're sitting by someone who's just been hammered by life ever have that situation what like what do you say i I gave him my best advice which is i don't know but what i do know is that i believe if you go asking the lord to fill you with his spirit that you trust that what you say wouldn't be you speaking but would be the father speaking through you it's a trust thing it's a dance we ask to be given the word in the moment We, if you don't step out in faith before you know if you think well I'm not going unless I know exactly what to say or do in some situation I guarantee you one thing you'll probably never go but sometimes you just have to go and if you don't know what to say, here's my first piece of advice. I will say this say less. There's a ministry of presence. P R E S E N C E, right? Not presence, like here's a present. Just being there, incarnational, just being there can be a ministry. Don't feel compelled to say, I know you feel, or whatever. I, 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 and don't get angry. You know, this specifically is about people bringing, dragging the disciples in, which they were. And rather than getting angry and this is unjust, this is a, look as an opportunity to share Jesus. Look at what Jesus did in his trial. Look at Paul in his trial. Look at Stephen as he's being stoned. You are a part of God's rescue plan. Or you can be if you take up the challenge to do hard things. So what's the payoff? I talked about the payoff. Let's look at it together. And I took, I underlined it in the, my study Bible and didn't underline that verse in my other Bible. So I'm just look, glancing through till I find it. Here it is. Verse 32 of matthew chapter 10 so everyone who acknowledges me before men who's willing to to speak of jesus to speak of their faith speak of their life assuming they have it and it's real please don't fake it If you don't really if you're not walk in the things of the lord please just trust the lord be with the lord first but but if you know the lord and you're walking and, and you're Got that life coming out of you? Verse 32. Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I'll deny before my Father who is in heaven. Guys, this life isn't all there is. It's not. We've got, maybe the the scripture says 70, 80 years or beyond if God grants us that favor or maybe less. But you've got an eternity and can you imagine just imagine with your mind's eye for a minute you step in let's just say it's all real i know you may be skeptical all this is real or whatever but let's just say it is and this this whole thing goes away like a scroll and the glory of god and the light unbelievable comes up and there you are before the throne of god and jesus christ sitting at the right hand of the father stands up and says philip i want to introduce you to my father because you have been so faithful. You acknowledged me in those hard situations. Come, meet my dad. And everybody's watching. I think we're going to be shocked when we get to heaven as to who is acknowledged. And maybe people who are there, but we say, oh, well, you hear. Who will be given the crowns of life? It's those who are faithful, not those who are famous. Right? Right? probably be less preachers there and more it people getting in acknowledged acknowledged you know i fear that sometimes we see as the world sees and not as as heaven sees but everything every hardship everything that we go through now that seems so painful all the pain you're going through in your physical body and your relationships if you're walking faithfully with the Lord the day Jesus takes you to his Father and acknowledges you before his Father and introduces you to the Father you won't remember a bit of all this pain it will be so much nothing and you will wonder how how did I ever let all this stuff on earth keep me away from why I was made. We live in a world where nobody knows why they were made. Let's not be like that. Let's let's tell people they're loved. They're loved so much that Jesus Christ came, offered himself, died. He died for you. He lived for you. He died for your sin. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his followers and he said, take and eat this is my body it's broken for you you eat this do it in remembrance of me and after supper he took this cup of wine and when he blessed it and he thanked the Lord he gave it to them and he said drink this all of you this is my blood of the new covenant it is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins as often as you drink this do it in remembrance of me Lord, You've given us Your life, which is precious beyond belief. And so, Lord, we want to take to ourselves in faith to remember, Lord, what You did, and to eat and drink meeting You at our point of need. We give you thanks, Lord, for all this, for your life that's represented in these earthly things, in this wine, in these wafers. Lord, we want this to be a demonstration, Lord, of how we can take your life into us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.